The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Jay Powell heads to Capitol Hill for confirmation hearings. Vice Chair Richard Clarida leaves his post at the Fed early. Pfizer announces plans for a hybrid vaccine to combat the Omicron variant. And the Senate targets the Nord Stream 2 pipeline with sanctions. Details and questions emerge about Sunday's deadly Bronx fire. Plus, Chicago public school students are set to return to classes tomorrow. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshow in sports. Georgia beat Alabama with a national championship in college football. The Knicks won. The Nets and Rangers both lost. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 20 points this morning. Dow futures up 111. And NASDAQ futures up 100. The DAX in Germany is up 1.2%. And the 10-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds. Yield 1.74%. The yield on the two-year, 0.89%. Nathan. Karen, let's begin this morning with today's confirmation hearing for Jay Powell to serve another term as Fed chair. Powell's testimony comes as markets remain volatile, gripped by rising inflation and the prospect of higher interest rates. We get more from Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. Powell comes before Congress just when there's something to talk about. Fear the Fed is behind the curve on inflation sent stocks lower on Monday as market interest rates continued to rise. Representatives will connect the dots trying to get a commitment from Powell. The Fed will ratify the market moves by raising rates sooner and faster. And they will ask him about plans for shrinking the Fed's balance sheet. Members will also want to know more about his plans for non-monetary policies at the Fed. How involved will the central bank be in climate change initiatives, in regulating cryptocurrencies, in approving bank mergers? Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Michael, thank you. Later this week, Lyle Brainerd heads to Capitol Hill for her confirmation hearing to serve as vice chair of the Fed. And now we're learning her predecessor, Richard Clarida, is resigning early. Bloomberg's Doug Krisner has the story. Clarida will step down from the Board of Governors two weeks before his term is due to expire. Last week, it was revealed he had sold at least a million dollars in shares of a U.S. stock fund in February 2020. A few days later, he bought back a similar amount of the same fund on the eve of a major Fed announcement. Clarida has been a member of the board and vice chair since September 2018. President Biden has nominated Fed Governor Lael Brainerd to succeed Clarida. Her confirmation hearings begin on Thursday. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. Doug, thanks. Meantime, the drumbeat for more interest rate hikes from the Fed is getting louder. For the latest there, we're joined live by Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John. Good morning, Nathan. The latest call for faster hikes comes from former New York Fed president and current Bloomberg opinion columnist Bill Dudley. He says the central bank needs to get a lot more hawkish. 
my best guess is, you know, that they, they need to do at least four or five rate hikes this year. And it wouldn't strike me at all if we, if we get into an every meeting kind of cycle at some point. Bill Dudley making the comments in an interview on Bloomberg Surveillance. Swaps markets are already indicating three or four interest rate hikes from the central bank this year. Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase forecasting four options traders. Also flagging the prospect of eight quarter point rate moves by early 2024. That's up from earlier expectations of around six. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, just a couple months ago, there was hope for a faster global recovery, but now that confidence may be fading. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. A new World Economic Forum survey finds just one in six government and business leaders are optimistic on the global economic recovery, and just one in ten thinks worldwide economic expansion will pick up speed. The Global Risks Report cites the pandemic, climate change, and rising social tensions among the biggest concerns. Short-term fears include health and social damage from COVID-19, while economic and debt-related issues are cited as medium-term dangers. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Now we turn to the latest on the pandemic and vaccines. Pfizer says it's developing a hybrid shot that combines its original vaccine with a formulation that shields against the Omicron variant. According to CEO Albert Bourla, Pfizer will approach U.S. regulators in March for clearance of the shot. Well, Nathan Moderna is also working on a shot aimed at the Omicron variant. We caught up with CEO Stefan Bonsell. We are moving very aggressively. We're going to be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, in the clinic with an Omicron-specific variant booster. And CEO Stefan Bonsell says Moderna has more than $18 billion in vaccine orders so far this year. In Hong Kong, Karen, authorities are doubling down on their COVID-0 policy. The city is reimposing some of its strictest limits since the pandemic began. Kindergartens and primary schools will close. Passengers from high-risk countries will be banned from passing through Hong Kong's international airport. Meantime, we're seeing a somewhat of an exodus from Hong Kong, Nathan. Expatriates and locals are moving away from the city in increasing numbers. And Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has a story. The population decline is running at 1.2% since the end of 2020. It's the biggest drop in at least six decades. Policymakers have stepped up their crackdown on civil society, and they've brushed aside an uproar over aligning with China's COVID-0 strategy. The brain drain is seen in sectors as education, health care, and even finance. And critics say it will likely be felt by residents for years to come. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thanks. Back here in the U.S., the Nord Stream 2 pipeline's in focus on Capitol Hill. The Senate's considering plans to impose tough new sanctions on the pipeline that links Russia with Germany. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The Senate could vote for sanctions this week, but some Democrats argue sanctions now could make it more likely Russia will invade Ukraine because it would break the United States away from Germany. But the Senate vote is moving forward as part of a deal between Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Cruz introduced the sanctions bill while placing a hold on dozens of President Biden's foreign policy nominees. This could clear the way for those nominees to be confirmed. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, turning to the markets now, trading has resumed at the London Metal Exchange after a five-hour outage. The world's most important base metals exchange said it had connectivity issues caused by a power outage at a third-party data center. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. 
Thanks, Karen. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. It is cold this morning, 18 degrees in Central Park. We already have an accident on the northbound New York State Thruway. It's near exit 15B. We'll have details on that for you in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Sorrow fills a Bronx community after Sunday's fire and choking smoke engulfed a high-rise apartment complex. The death toll has been lowered to 17 people killed, eight of them children. Prayers were held last night for the victims as friends, neighbors, and strangers sought to console the grieving. Firefighters say the blaze was sparked by a faulty space heater, but the smoke from that fire traveled throughout the building due to an open door in the hallway. Mayor Mayor Eric Adams says that the fire should convince others to make sure fire safety doors in the buildings are closed at all times. Close the door. Close the door. That was embedded in my head as a child watching the commercials over and over again. We're going to double down on that message. Mayor Adams says the flames damaged only a small part of the building, but smoke poured through the apartment's open door and turned stairwells into death traps. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy warned the residents of his state that they are seeing hospital admissions that rival some of the pandemic's worst days. We're in the thick of this latest fight against the Omicron tsunami washing across the state. Governor Murphy is concerned that it's not even the reported peak of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus that health officials have been warning us about. Both the ICU and ventilator numbers are up significantly and have roughly doubled since Christmas. These are the highest numbers we've seen since May of 2020. Governor Murphy says many New Jersey towns and cities have reintroduced mask mandates. Chicago public schools are set to reopen for students tomorrow after the teachers' union leadership voted to approve a deal with city officials to restart in-person classes in the nation's third-largest school district. Schools have been closed since January 5th after Chicago teachers voted to shift back to remote learning, demanding more stringent protections amid a COVID-19 surge. President Biden travels to Atlanta today to push voting rights. Biden, traveling with the vice president, will visit Ebenezer Baptist Church the home pulpit of the late Reverend Martin Luther King. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 509 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. We really got a new college football national champion, John Stash Hour. Yeah, it's been a while, uh, Nathan. The season ended in Indianapolis with Alabama against Georgia. They played last month for the SEC Championship. Bama won that one by 17 points, but Georgia won last night by 15. It was closer than that. Bama had leads in the third and fourth quarters, but Georgia, after scoring no touchdowns for the first 43 and a half minutes, scored four TDs in the last 16 and a half, and that included a Game-sealing score in the final minute. Takes an inside handoff to Robinson. Throws to the near side. Intercepted at the 21-yard line. And Keely Ringo bringing it back across midfield. Across the 30. Inside the 20. Ringo scores! The Georgia Bulldogs lead by two scores with 54 seconds to go. ESPN had the radio call. The final 33-18. to 18. It's Georgia's first national championship since Herschel Walker led them in 1980. They lost the title game to Bama four years ago in overtime. Crimson Tide denied what would have been a seventh title in the last 13 years. 
Knicks finally win some home games. Four in a row at the Garden. Pulled away from the Spurs second half and won 111-96. 31 points for R.J. Barrett. Nets in Portland without James Harden due to a knee injury. The Blazers without Damian Lillard. Portland won 114-108. to And Brooklyn's now dropped five of the last seven. Rangers beaten by the Kings in L.A. 3-1. to The Dave Gettleman retirement made official. Giants now looking for a new general manager. Three coaches just got fired. Matt Nagy in Chicago, Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, and in a surprise, Brian Flores in Miami. The Dolphins finished the season going 8-1. and one. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Okay, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are higher by 22 points. Dow futures up 120. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 108 points. The 10-year Treasury yield 1.74% ahead of Jay Powell's confirmation hearing. We'll get a preview next from Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by The Breakers. This winter, a warm welcome awaits you. The Breakers is committed to making your stay even better with exceptional experiences, gracious service, and unparalleled seaside glamour. To learn more, visit thebreakers.com today. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks are bouncing back from their biggest decline in six weeks as Treasury yields steady a day before a key U.S. inflation reading. U.S. futures are heading edging higher. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 20 points this morning. Dow futures up 112 and NASDAQ futures up 106. The DAX in Germany is up 1.2 percent. Ten-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds, yield 1.74 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.90 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.6 percent, up $1.28 at $79.51 a barrel. COMEX gold up four tenths percent, or $7.50 at $18.06.30 an ounce. The euro, 1.1336 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3606. And the yen is at 115.39. And looking at Bitcoin this morning, moving higher at $41,800. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Investigators are trying to determine why safety doors failed to close in a New York City high-rise when a deadly fire broke out. The failure allowed thick smoke to billow through the tower and kill 17 people. The Republican National Committee sued New York City over a law that will give non-citizens the right to vote in local elections, calling it a blatant attack on election integrity. Chicago students will be back in the classroom tomorrow. The union and the city reached a deal about COVID safety protocols that led to in-person classes closing January 5th. Real estate heir and convicted murderer Robert Durst has died of cardiac arrest at age 78. Georgia beat Alabama 33-18 to win college football's national championship. In the NBA, the Knicks and Celtics won. The Nets lost. In the NHL, the Bruins beat the Capitals 7-3. The Rangers lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to get more now on our top story this morning as Jay Powell gets set to go before the Senate Banking Committee later this morning for reconfirmation as chairman of the Federal Reserve. For that and all that's happening in the nation's capital, we're joined by Joe Matthew, 
Bloomberg Washington correspondent and host of Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. Joe, how many times do you suppose we're going to hear the word inflation at the <laughs> hearing today? You know, I was thinking if, the, if there's a drinking game, I think it might be transitory. I'm just wondering how many members, hmm. especially Republican members, want to remind Jay Powell of that term. And, and, you know, look, only in Washington do we see this kind of drama surround an event where everyone seems to already know how it's going to end. I mean, he's going to be confirmed. This is why President Biden re-nominated him. Jay Powell enjoys bipartisan support. Doesn't mean he won't be getting some tough questions today, though. Yeah. Uh, this is an opportunity for members to, to get up front, get on TV, press the chair on whether the Fed is doing enough, maybe suggest that it's not, and, and question whether it started this tightening regime too late. Uh, transitory, yes. Inflation, yes. Especially from Republican senators. To your point, though, we had a look at Powell's opening remarks. Uh, and he will he'll deliver the the magic words that everyone is looking to hear. Six words: prevent higher inflation from becoming entrenched. This has been echoing since last night when it was released. That's the idea here. That's what they want to get from the Fed chair. And while that will be the the focus here, inflation, uh, he's likely to get an earful again from Senator Elizabeth Warren. It's going to be focusing on regulation, and we'll have a little more to say about that when Lael Brainerd has her confirmation hearing later on this week. Uh, this comes down to the Fed's personal trading policy after this news that Richard Clarida is leaving two weeks early because of his own million-dollar trading disclosure. This is exactly what Warren was warning about, the same Elizabeth Warren who has publicly called Jay Powell, Nathan, a dangerous man. Dangerous man. That's exactly right. I guess that begs the question whether, for markets, the more important hearing this week is Jay Powell's or Lyle Brainerd's. What's mm-hmm. the uh, feeling in Washington? Well, I think they're actually going to be pretty similar, to be honest with you. And th- this was, again, remember, we have, still have three open seats uh, that have to be filled. These were supposed to be the two easy ones, Nathan. When when Joe Biden walked into the South Court Auditorium over there in the White House complex with Jay Powell and Lael Brainerd, this was the duo here, right? This was supposed to be the easy part, the, the part with bipartisan support, that which brought continuity to the markets, let lawmakers rest easy at night. Uh, the next... Three, however, could be a different matter, as we expect more progressive members with more diverse ideas, and those could be challenged by members of the Banking Committee. In the time we have left, Joe, the other big story we're going to be watching today is President Biden heading down to Atlanta this afternoon in this new push for voting rights legislation. After the setbacks for the president's economic agenda, is this likely to be the focus for the rest of the year for President Biden? Rest of the year, yeah. Well, straight through November. This is we've got midterm elections on the brain here. There are questions, uh, maybe, uh, maybe from some critics who suggest that this is a vanity project uh, for Joe Biden and for Democratic leaders uh, because it's not likely to pass. They, they they don't have the votes to pass this voting rights legislation unless there's a carve out in the filibuster. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Two familiar names don't support doing that. But this is for the base. This is to stir up passions. This is to motivate Democrats who might be getting a little bit complacent after watching Build Back Better fall apart the end of last year to get them out there, get them thinking about what happened in 20 and get them voting. If this does not pass as expected, that in itself could be a motivator for Democrats in a midterm election year. Interesting. In our last minute here to frame this as a base motivator when for a lot of the president's allies, the push for voting rights was something they had really been wanting to see from him from the get-go. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. And there's still talk about uh, reforming the Electoral Count Act 
that would actually prevent what, uh, you know, what could have happened last January 6th that would make uh, the vice president's job ceremonial, essentially, in the way that the, the votes are codified and certified. But again, the Democrats are concerned about that because they think it's a distraction from the real issues and they're watering down what it is they really want to do to protect voting rights going forward. The president will speak passionately today, we're told from the White House as well, about his support for changing that filibuster rule, which would be a big deal in Washington. Yeah, certainly would be. Joe Matthew, as always, thanks for keeping us up to speed on what's happening in the nation's capital. Of course, you'll be able to hear much more from Joe and his guests when you uh, tune in for Bloomberg Sound On coming up at 5 p.m. Wall Street time right here on Bloomberg Radio. And that, of course, will come after Jay Powell's confirmation hearing before the Senate Banking Committee. That begins at 10 a.m. Wall Street time. We will have live coverage of that hearing as well right here on Bloomberg Radio. Ahead of all that, ahead of the market open, futures are moving higher. We have S&P futures up 19 points right now. Dow futures up 100. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 101 points. And you're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny but cold today. Might get it to 20 degrees for an afternoon high. Tomorrow, partly sunny, the high near 40, mostly cloudy near 40 for Thursday. 17 degrees right now. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are higher this morning ahead of a confirmation hearing for Jay Powell. Fed chair plans to tell senators that the central bank will prevent higher inflation from becoming entrenched. Ed Mills is a Washington policy analyst at Raymond James. Jay Powell is getting confirmed, and his job is to give Republicans a reason to stick with him, to vote for his reconfirmation. If you are Jay Powell, you're talking about inflation. You're talking about what you're going to do next. Ed Mills of Raymond James spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, meantime, Karen, the drumbeat for more interest rate hikes from the Fed is getting louder. Let's get the details live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. And Nathan Schwartz indicate the Fed's target will be 88 basis points higher by the end of this year. A sign the market's baking in three hikes plus the possibility of a fourth. Former New York Fed President Bill Dudley says the central bank needs to get more hawkish. J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs are forecasting four rate increases this year. And tomorrow's CPI report could put more pressure on the Fed, with forecasts calling for an annual inflation rate north of 7%. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. As inflation picks up, confidence in the global economic recovery appears to be fading. The details on that now from Bloomberg's Renita Young. A World Economic Forum survey finds just one in six government and business leaders are optimistic on the global recovery, and just one in ten thinks worldwide economic expansion will pick up speed. The Global Risks Report cites the pandemic, climate change, and rising social tensions among the biggest concerns, and those polled want to see greater coordination among leaders to try to solve the world's problems. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, we need to thank you. Now, when it comes to the pandemic, Pfizer is working on a new vaccine. The company's developing a hybrid shot that combines its original vaccine with a formula that shields against the Omicron variant. Pfizer says it will approach U.S. regulators in March for clearance of the shot. And Nathan, on the political front, lawmakers have the Nord Stream 2 pipeline in their sights. The Senate could vote this week to impose new sanctions on the conduit that links Russia and Germany. There's broad congressional opposition to the pipeline, but some Democrats worry sanctions could complicate talks between the U.S. and Russia over Ukraine. And again, futures are moving higher this morning. S&P futures up 19 points. Dow futures up 99 NASDAQ futures up 98. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. It's Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street. It is really cold. 17 degrees in Central Park. And a bad tractor-trailer crash as the northbound Deegan closed at 179th. We'll have the details for you in traffic. First, we have Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Tenants of the Bronx apartment building where a deadly fire broke out Sunday had complained about the lack of heat, a broken radiator, and a door that didn't close properly in the months before the blaze, according to city records. City officials say the fire appeared to have come from a malfunctioning space heater in an apartment where residents fled without closing the door. The billowing black smoke turned stairwells into death traps. New York Mayor Eric Adams. This painful moment can turn into a purposeful moment as we send the right message of something simple as closing the door. Mayor Adams says the death toll of the fire has been lowered to 17 dead. New York's COVID-19 infections may have reached a peak about a month after the city's first case of the Omicron variant was identified. According to the New York City Health Department, the seven-day average of people visiting emergency departments with COVID-like illness has dipped significantly in all five boroughs since the end of December. Meanwhile, New Jersey health officials say they may have 8,000 COVID-related hospitalizations nearing the state's pandemic peak in the third week of January. Governor Phil Murphy. We're recording more deaths, tragically, now more than at any point in the past year. And remember, remember one year ago, we had only just begun our vaccination efforts. Governor Murphy says many towns and cities in New Jersey have reintroduced mask mandates. Chicago students plan to resume classes tomorrow after leaders of the teachers union accepted a proposal with the district over COVID-19 safety protocols. Both sides had been locked in an increasingly bitter standoff that canceled classes for five days. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Some will ask who won and who lost. No one wins when our students are out of the place where they can learn the best and where they're safest. The full deal still requires approval by the union's full membership. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. 535 on Wall Street. Let's get a Bloomberg Sports update now. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Four years ago, Georgia lost the national championship game to Alabama in overtime. And then last month, the Bulldogs' perfect season spoiled by the Crimson Tide in the SEC championship game. Same two teams last night in Indianapolis. Bama led 9-6 late third quarter. Georgia then went ahead a 67-yard run, set up the game's first touchdown. Fourth quarter, Crimson Tide back on top. But then it was George's turn. Here's second and 18. 8-18 to go. The clock running. Bama leading by five. Showing blitz. Three play. down. Yep, Alabama was offside. So here's a deep throw to the end zone. And it is caught by 
touchdown by A.D. Mitchell. ESPN had the call. 40-yard TD. Georgia later had another TD pass and a 79-yard pick six in the final minute. Georgia beat Alabama 33-18. to First national championship for the Bulldogs since 1980. At the Garden, another big game for R.J. Barrett. He had a 32-point game last week. Also that game-winning buzzer beater. And Barrett went for 31 last night. Knicks beat the Spurs 111-96. Nets lost in Portland 114-108. to Kevin Durant in defeat. 28 points. Kyrie Irving's second game of the season. He played 40 minutes. Scored 22. Rangers lost in L.A. to the Kings 3-1. to Black Monday in the NFL. Three coaches got fired. Matt Nagy in Chicago, Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, and in a surprise, Brian Flores in Miami. Not Joe Judge. He did meet with Giants owner John Mara on the day the Dave Gettleman retirement was made official. Mara and the Giants have begun the search for a new general manager. Don Maynard passed away at age 86, drafted by the Giants. They cut him, and he went to the Jets and became a Hall of Fame wide receiver. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? John, thanks. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. New York's Broadway theaters will extend their mask and vaccine requirements through April 30th. At the same time, the city's infections may have reached a peak about a month after the first case of the Omicron variant was identified there. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon says at the New York headquarters, 97% of the firm's employees are vaccinated. The company last month began requiring vaccines at nine Manhattan office buildings, but has so far stopped short of requiring shots for all employees, unlike competitor Citigroup. New York business owners are saving billions by sidestepping the cap on state and local tax deductions. Dow Jones says businesses paid the state $11 billion in pass-through entity taxes by the end of 2021. They shifted their state income taxes from their individual tax returns to their business filings, but the cap doesn't affect them. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potisk. And on 1010 Winds in New York, we're looking at the Bloomberg Pret Index and how Wall Street bankers staying home sends sandwich sales plunging. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Heat, fire, and storms have caused $145 billion in damages across the U.S. I'm Caroline Hitt from Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the consumer splurge over Christmas as UK retail sales jumped in December, according to the British Retail Consortium. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting a Starbucks downtown could become the coffee chain's first unionized store in Ohio. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. Less than a year after canceling Donald Trump's Remain in Mexico policy for migrants attempting to enter the U.S., the Biden administration has started enforcing it again, all too reluctantly. Some background. In August, a federal judge found that Biden had improperly rescinded the policy and ordered it reinstated, a ruling upheld by the Supreme Court. The White House has done so, but it insists that it is not acting eagerly and has asked the high court to revisit its ruling. The administration would be better off working to make the program more efficient and humane. Biden's rush to undo his predecessor's policies has undermined public support for the comprehensive immigration reforms the U.S. needs. Strengthening this policy, rather than discarding it, would be the best way to restore confidence in the government's ability to administer a fair and orderly system. 
This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time, and terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures right now are up 19 points. Dow futures higher by 99. NASDAQ futures up 101 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 132nd. The yield 1.75%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny but cold today. High only near 20 degrees. Partly sunny tomorrow with a high near 40. Will be mostly cloudy and near 40 on Thursday. Right now, 17 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and European stocks are bouncing back from their biggest decline in six weeks as Treasury yields steady a day before a key U.S. inflation reading. U.S. stock index futures are on the rise. S&P futures up 21 points this morning. Dow futures up 106. NASDAQ futures up 111. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, the DAX in Germany is up 1.1%. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd, yield 1.75%. The yield on the two-year, 0.90%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.4%, up $1.08 at $79.31 a barrel. COMEX gold up a third of a percent, or $6 at $18.04.80 an ounce. The euro, 1.1331 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3604. The yen's at 115.44. And Bitcoin this morning at $41,700. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. An investigation is underway into the Bronx apartment fire that took at least 17 lives, including eight children. A space heater is being blamed for the cause of the fire, but the apartment door didn't close, sending thick black smoke throughout the building. New York Mayor Eric Adams called it a global tragedy because many of the victims are immigrants from Gambia in West Africa. A deal has been reached to get schools open again in Chicago. Students will be back in the classroom tomorrow after teachers walked out January 5th. The teachers' union and the city reached an agreement over safety precautions around COVID-19. Georgia beat Alabama 33-18 to win college football's national championship. In the NBA, the Knicks and Celtics won. The Nets lost. In the NHL, the Bruins beat the Capitals 7-3. The Rangers lost. Global news, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we want to turn to the latest now on the pandemic, including Pfizer talking about a hybrid vaccine to protect against the Omicron variant. Dr. Stuart Ray is with us this morning, Vice Chair of Medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Dr. Ray, it's good to have you with us this morning. Let's start there because we spoke with Pfizer CEO Albert Borley yesterday. He was saying that uh, he could uh, go before U.S. regulators by March. Uh, for emergency clearance on a hybrid vaccine that would combine the original shot with a uh, new formulation tailored for Omicron. Do you think this is the kind of treatment that's going to be necessary? Well, I certainly hope that it works uh, for what we wanted to do, which is to protect people against the broad uh, range of virus 
that we have now since we have uh, two uh, strains, Omicron and uh, Delta, that are diversifying. I, I think we're going to need uh, some tools to protect people, and we have kids now uh, with rising uh, hospitalization uh, rates, and so we are worried about the broad range and, and vulnerable people. We need this tool, but uh, we'll have to see whether it's as effective as we hope it is. Obviously, there's been some concern with the amount of breakthrough cases we've seen as to whether the current vaccines are effective. Do you think they are? Should we start thinking about shortening booster times even further? I mean, it's already gone down from six months to five, the recommendation for getting another mRNA shot. Well, we, we, it looks like the boosters uh, that we've given are protecting against severe disease, and so we do have that uh, protection, but it could help limit spread. The Omicron uh, variant included in the vaccine might help us uh, limit spread more uh, because it's a little better targeted. I, I think we're all worried about whether the next variant is around the corner uh, coming from a place we're not watching right now. So. I think that uh, boosting may be what we have to do, but uh, the the major source of severe disease right now is folks who haven't received vaccination yet. And so getting into that population is a major priority. At the same time, we're seeing more evidence about the effectiveness of T-cells in protecting against COVID. There's a new study out of um, London, Imperial College London, that points to the effectiveness of T-cells. What could that mean when it comes to treatment? Well, I think that when we uh, think about how the immune system works, it's easy to measure antibodies. It's very hard to measure T cells in comparison. Uh, T cells can target any part of the uh, viral proteins. And so uh, while we talk about the 60 or so changes in Omicron, uh, there's 10,000 amino acids in the virus and there's uh, about 1,200 in the spike protein. Uh, so the the number of changes is not that big, and T cells can recognize any of those little pieces of the virus that have not changed. So they do provide us protection. It's a big reason why uh, vaccination can protect even when the antibody levels are not great against a new variant. Uh, so that's that's wonderful. We can't easily give T cells to people, and so the best way to give them effective T cells is to vaccinate them, and so that's what we'll be prioritizing. All right. We have about a minute left here. I want to ask when you think we'll start to think about the COVID pandemic as being more endemic around the world. Uh, is this something we should be talking about now? I think it's worth anticipating that that state. And I think it's possible that uh, we would see something like that in many areas uh, later this year. I think the the question is going to be when this uh, stops disrupting. Clearly, it's incredibly disruptive right now. Our healthcare system is uh, stretched in many areas, and I think in areas that have been relatively spared so far this winter, uh, there may be uh, signs that the spread is increasing in those areas, and some of those areas are relatively under-vaccinated, and so we may see a big impact there. But once this very infectious uh, Omicron variant has run its uh way through the population, we may see higher levels of immunity. Uh, the cost will be tremendous, but we may be in a place where uh, unless we see a variant that really escapes the immune responses that Omicron's generated, mm. uh, we may be a more endemic state. All right. As always, Dr. Ray, thank you for your insights. Dr. Stuart Ray is vice chair of medicine at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Karen. 
Nathan, thank you. It's 553 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Biden administration moved to require private insurance companies and group health plans to cover the cost of at-home rapid COVID-19 test kits beginning Saturday. A federal judge dismissed a lawsuit brought by more than a dozen Los Angeles police officers who were seeking religious exemptions from the city's vaccine or test mandate. California Governor Gavin Newsom's proposed budget includes billions of dollars to combat climate change. Funding to battle wildfires would be increased. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching brings us to the Supreme Court. Justices are weighing in on the Biden administration's vaccine policies. During oral arguments, the court's six conservatives seem skeptical about whether OSHA had authority to require shots or require COVID tests for workers. At the same time, they were not as skeptical about a mandate that would apply to nearly all health care staff in the country. For more on the case, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to Robert Field, a professor of law, health management and policy at Drexel. University. Is this more about their seeming assault on the administrative state and agency power? I think that's definitely part of it. And when they issue their ruling, we will see how important their focus on administrative power is. But there was a clear division between the conservatives who said, in essence, the most serious concern was government overreach and wanting to rein in the administrative state and the liberal justices who were saying hundreds of thousands of human lives are at stake. That's what's most important here. And the job of the government is to act as vigorously as it can to stem a crisis like that. So would you say that based on the oral arguments, the court will strike down the employer mandate? I think based on what all six of the conservative justices were saying, it will be struck down because of one rationale or another. The question is how much latitude will OSHA have to reissue it? So if it's based on the rule being too broad, would OSHA be able to come back and issue a targeted rule? Will they be able to issue a rule that goes through the regular process of soliciting comments from people and simply issue this rule but not on an emergency basis? Was there less opposition from the conservative justices to the health care mandate? Yeah, and my guess is there's enough agreement among enough conservatives that that rule will will hold up. I don't think it's that different from many of the rules that the government already imposes on hospitals to promote health and safety among their patients and staff. It, It applies to fewer people. The OSHA rule applies to about 80 million. The Medicare and Medicaid rule, much less than that. I think it's a million or two. And logistically, you don't have to work in healthcare. If you don't like that mandate, you can get a job somewhere else. If all large employers have to enforce a mandate, there's really very few other options if you don't want to comply. And that's Drexel University law professor Robert Field speaking with Bloomberg student Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. Futures this morning are moving higher. S&P futures up 20 points. Dow futures up 92 
NASDAQ futures up 106 and the 10-year Treasury up 230 seconds, yield 1.75%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.